Hello and welcome to Developer's Journey, the podcast shining a light on developers' life from all over the world. My name is Tim Bourguignon and today I receive... Wait a minute. Merry Christmas, everyone. This is not going to be a normal episode. Instead of having one guest, today I have plenty of guests for you. Oh, that's fun. I like that. Throughout the year, I asked one question, the very same question, to all the guests I received. Yeah. Jingle bells, jingle bells, all the way. Today, you finally get to hear the answers. Jingle bells on the way. Jingle bells. <laughs> Take it, Daddy. Hey, Emily. Nice to hear you again. What is the most important thing you learned this year? Well, I'm glad you asked that because I'm pretty sure it's the technique of coaching mob programming. So being in a team of software developers who are working on their production code and me as an outsider coming in and coaching them and helping them to improve the design of their code, making it more testable and to write uh, unit tests for their code. And that technique of transferring skills via a mob to a whole, to a whole team, uh, that has been really valuable technique that I've learned this year from my friend Llewellyn Falco. And how did you learn that? Did you learn it by, by doing it, by observing? Yes, by I was asked by Llewellyn to join him when he was coaching uh, some teams at his clients. So I observed him. I took part in the mob and, and programmed while he coached. And then we swapped roles and he gave me feedback on my coaching technique. So I learned the technique from him. Mm -hmm. And how would you encourage the audience to um, to get started with it? So I encourage you to uh, take part in one of the excellent workshops that uh, like Woody Zool and Lowell and Falco run. Um, or if you can uh, come to Gothenburg, um, you could perhaps um, you could perhaps shadow me and see what I'm doing with my clients. It's, uh, I think, a skill, a practical skill that you learn by from somebody. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Hey, Darren. Nice talking to you again. You too. What's up? So, um, I have one more question for you. What is yes. the most important thing you learned this year? I, uh, the most important thing I learned this year, so I have to give a tad bit of background. So, every Christmas, I make my, I make Tierney something. Our, our, uh, um, tradition is Christmas, we make something, birthdays, we buy something. So, for the past eight years, I have made audiobooks. Um, but basically it's a book on tape, book on CD. And I've recently gone to editing my audiobook. So I will read two chapters. The next day I'll edit one chapter. The next day I'll edit the other. So if there's coughs or sniffles or coughs, I'll edit it out. <coughs> However, the process of editing is very tedious and not fun. So the most important thing I have found out is to not clear your throat. 
and to either drink water or swallow. That way, um, there's less stuff I had to edit out because it's just silence. And also, it's better on your throat because I've learned that once you clear your throat, you're basically pushing the phlegm back up into your throat and you're just scratching it and then you have to clear your throat again. So the most important thing I learned, which saved me probably a good few hours of editing, is to just swallow it, take a break, drink some water, and actually not clear your throat. Mm -hmm. Very practical. Yes. And very practical for me. (laughs) Yeah, and that's actually what I've been doing on this podcast right now. It's like swallow take a break, drink some water, and not actually clear my throat. And on, yeah, and on top of that, then, yeah, you don't have to do the editing either. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thank you very much. I, I'm going to listen to um, the <laughs> podcast with a different ear now. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Glad I'm glad you could learn something, too. Hey, Marcus. Nice talking to you again. So, what is the most important thing you learned this year? Well, I think um, I had one thing that really influenced my behavior and my style of working. It was, um, well, in a kind of a leadership workshop where I found out about my strengths. So we did a little questionnaire, and there were some top five strengths that came out of this test. And there were well, I would say three aspects that were really interesting for me that really helped me to progress. The first thing was that I, well, obviously found about, I found out about my strengths, uh, the top five strengths of myself. And then we focused on here that we said um, you just have to focus on the strengths and not on your weaknesses. So I focused on improving myself mm-hmm. based on the strengths that I found out. And the most important learning about this kind uh, was that such strengths, these top five strengths, had also some kind of blind spots. So if you kind of overdrive one strength, it could be a negative thing. And the awareness that my strengths could also be some kind of, well, weakness was a really good learning this year. So that means that I can more compensate the negative influences of those strengths. And this mm-hmm. helped me really to progress. Um, for example, as you might think, uh, as you might know, um, one of the strengths I have is um, analytical thinking. And if you overdrive um, analytics or analytical thinking, it could mean that you are just only analyzing things, but you don't get anything real done in the real life. So you have always to look at um, what are the results I want to achieve with an analysis. How do I want to provide some new insights that lead to real, um, real world steps? And to know that, that you can, well, overdrive such a strength was really an important mm-hmm. learning for me at this Cool. Uh, is this questionnaire um, available for the public? Or is it something private you got from a trainer? And Yeah, this, well, this is mm-hmm. something that you have to pay for. That's the negative side of this, but this was also mm-hmm. sponsored by the company I was working for. 
Um, so it was really cool to see um, this kind of result for me uh, in this kind of leadership workshop. And other people have to, I think, um, pay some kind of dollars, 10 or 20, um, to get those um, strengths assessment. But you can also do it, I think, uh, on other sites. Um, but the main message remains that you should care for your strengths, but not try to over override them or overdrive them. Okay, sounds cool. Yeah. Thank you very much. Hey, Jessica. Nice hearing you again. Hello, Tim. Tell us, what is the most important thing you learned this year? This year, the most startling, significant thing was that I learned that art, like art with a capital A, wasn't always a thing. That there was a time before people realized that stuff like painting and music composition and sculpture and poetry, that that was a creative endeavor. They didn't even have the word creative as far as I can tell, because eventually they were like, there is some common essence that is indefinable and unnameable that runs through these activities. And before that, they thought they were a craft, right? I mean, you had painters, but, but the painters were part of the painter guild and they just learned about painting and that was it. And, and their job was to be competent at producing a facsimile of whatever someone asked them. It wasn't about expressing themselves. It wasn't about having an impact on the viewer or the listener or the reader. And I was like, Oh my gosh, how can that even be? And then, and then, then I was like, Holy cow, now I get it. Now I know what software is because I've been wondering for a long time, like that we make all these analogies. Software is engineering. No, it isn't. We get a lot faster feedback than anyone building a bridge. Software is architecture. No, it isn't. Again, we, we're not building buildings and we get faster feedback on that. Software is a craft. No, it isn't isn't okay we don't do the same thing over and over and try to get our worksmanship perfect we're trying to have an impact on the world and we do much more so even than painters or composers or sculptures um, software my favorite so far other than this is software is like putting on a play yes it is because it's doing something different every time and we do it as a group and it's dynamic and we react but clearly it's it's not actually a play so now I, I understand that software is none of these things. It's nothing we have a name for yet. And if art wasn't always a thing and art was new and like was a big part of what made the Renaissance the Renaissance was that they finally figured out that that poets and painters and composers were thinkers. And then they associated some prestige with that and they started talking all together. And then the Renaissance like emerged out of the, the mixing of ideas that came in part from realizing art was a thing. Okay. Then software is something we don't have a name for yet. Awesome. And then if you want to hear more about that, and if you want to hear the closest I can come to put it in words, uh, Google origins of opera and the future of programming. And you'll find my post and my talk about that. Thank you very much. Anne, so nice talking to you again. It's so great to talk to you too, Tim. Um, so tell us, 
what is the most important thing you learned this year? I think the most important thing I've learned this year is adaptability. Uh, I've been an iOS developer for the last five years. It's been pretty much my entire career, um, in tech at least. And this year, uh, earlier in the year, I started working on a little bit of Kotlin, helping out with the Android side of a project that I was working on. Um, towards the end of the summer, I started learning React Native, and I got to work a little bit on a React Native project. And now I've gone like all the way back to my like boot camp roots five or six years ago, and I'm working on a Ruby and Rails project, realizing how much I have forgotten about Ruby on Rails in the last several years. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've spent a lot of time in the last uh, couple of years really digging into Swift, digging into iOS, and building um, some knowledge and experience in that language. And then now sort of changing changing lanes a little bit um, and changing lanes like uh, a couple of times has been really fun. Um, just the like sort of energy of discovering something new again, and then also figuring out uh, what I can learn from each of these, how these each sort of apply to each other, what I can learn from Kotlin that's that I can take into React Native and what I can find in Ruby on Rails that is a little bit Swifty and then going back to Swift and seeing what I've what I can see now in there now that I've uh, worked on a couple of other things. Mm, so, that's interesting. That, that's what Maybe. I've been doing this year. Do you have some examples of things you took from one language and then realized um, this applies somewhere else and you see this old language in, uh, in uh, uh, this old language in a different light? Oh, yeah. Um, there's a good example with Kotlin and the, the sort of similarities and differences between uh, a Swift optional and a Kotlin nullable type. Um, there's... They're almost the same thing. They're close enough to the same thing that that it can kind of carry you through. I can use how I think about optionals um, to in Swift to sort of help me along with nullable types in um, in Kotlin. But Kotlin and the, like it's a different idea. A nullable type is a different idea than a Swift optional. Um, so so having that background sort of got me a little bit of the way there. But seeing sort of the little differences between how you think about those two ideas in the two different languages um, has helped me think about optionals a little differently in Swift as well. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Definitely. Um, last time we talked, we were talking a lot about um, growing from a, from a junior or an apprentice um, a position to a, to a more senior position. Um, how had, did, did this uh, new experience um, change the way you see this, um, this, this maybe coaching or mentoring, um, um, guiding someone um, now that you have more tools in your tool belt? Well, that was, that was one part of it, was just having more tools in my tool belt. Um, one of my uh, really good friends over here at Detroit Labs, um, she's working with a new apprentice class uh, over here at Detroit Labs, and she posted something to the apprentices about the difference that she has noticed between um, people who are just starting out and people who are more senior and how they approach problems. Whereas people who are just starting out, um, if they run into some kind of challenge or something they don't know, can panic about it a little bit. And they see it as a sign of, oh, I don't know this thing. I'm lacking the knowledge of this thing. This is a problem. And more senior people approach it a little more calmly and are like, okay, well, now I guess I got to go learn a thing. 
I know the answer is out there. I know I can find it. And I have the confidence to um, to go pursue it and not panic a little. Um, and after she posted that, I realized that that's kind of what I've been doing this year as I've been switching lanes a little is that none of this is as terrifying to me as learning Swift was at first. And um, even coming into something entirely new, like React Native, which is a whole a whole new ball of wax for me, um, I was just sort of confident in the knowledge that I have, you know, I can figure this out. It's just making the time to do the research and do the learning. Um, but there was never that sense of panic that I had when I was first starting out in Swift to be like, oh, God, I don't know this. I have to know this. Why don't I know this? I'm dumb because I don't know this. <laughs> yeah, I've been trying to, in my own mentoring, um, make very visible the struggles that I'm having learning something new and also the sort of calm attitude I have about it um, or projecting a calm attitude if I can't actually have a calm attitude <laughs> to let uh, people who I'm mentoring who are junior. Uh, I'm working with some of the apprentices I mentioned earlier um, to just let them know that like this not knowing something, uh, getting frustrated sometimes, it's not a big deal. It's part of the job. Everything's always new. Everything's always changing. Um, you don't have to put a ton of pressure on yourself to know everything. You just have to have a plan and figure out how you're going to find out what it is you need. Awesome. Well, congratulations for learning all this and oh. being able to verbalize it. It's even better. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. It was great talking to you again. Hi, Mario. Nice talking to you again. Hey, Tim. What is the most important thing you learned this year? Uh, I think the most important thing I've learned this year is just how little I know about my own mind uh, and the questions that that's kind of opened up. I mean, uh, given that our entire human experience is funneled through our minds and thoughts, it seems crazy to me now that there isn't a greater focus on how our minds work, what limitations they have, what pitfalls you can fall into, how to train your mind, um, you know, in, in the education that we receive in, in our, in our kind of young and even adult lives, like a huge example would be happiness. You know, if I tell you, hey, Tim, I'm really happy, uh, the natural question might be, oh, why is that? Uh, you know, there's like this pervading idea that there needs to be a reason for that happiness and, and, and maybe an idea that we've been taught to, to seek external things to make our happiness and then inevitably always chasing this externality. Um, a quote that's really stuck with me and that I've shared with you before is, um, you know, digging with your bare hands is like thinking with your bare brain. And that's really stuck with me this year in terms of thinking, well, what what actual tools do I have in, in terms of my thinking and my human experience? You know, how much uh, how much are things of, uh, you know, freedom and happiness and security and love, respect, trust, confidence, change, meaning all those kind of things in my life. How much of those are me just, you know, digging with my bare hands as opposed to uh, having some sort of tooling and, and utilities in, in the way that I shape my thinking? Uh, so, yeah, the, the most important thing I've learned is. Uh, actually something about how little I know, how ignorant I am still in, in questions of my own mind. And, and that's kind of been really important for me. Mm -hmm. very, very interesting. Uh, was there some kind of um, of trigger to, to, to get you into this, uh, this uh, way of thinking? Yeah, definitely. So it was, uh, I, I went on a leadership course this year. Um, and uh, the, the coach that I had in, in particular uh, kind of, 
was very, very good at, 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 at spotting, I think, certain traits in people and, and pushing certain buttons and getting things out of them. And, and he kind of recommended a book to me, uh, which, which kind of started things off for me, which was, um, uh, the small things you can only notice when you slow down, I believe it was called. Um, and, uh, yeah, a really interesting book by, by a, um, a, uh, a professor from the States who, who is a Buddhist as well, I believe, um, but moved to the States to study Christianity and just kind of wrote this book of a, of a whole bunch of little questions and thoughts and, and things that kind of really made me feel like, uh, hold on, there's, there's, there's perhaps something that I'm, I'm missing here or some certain things that didn't kind of make sense to me. And that kind of tipped me off into a little bit of a rabbit hole of, of, of digging deeper. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely that was an introspective kind of a set of circumstances in my life that allowed me to start asking certain questions that I never thought to ask myself before. Mm -hmm. and, and was there something um, that pushed you into doing this leadership course in the first place? Um, I think it was a per personal personal development kind of thing. I, I, I started doubting whether or not um, I was a good leader and, and uh, whether or not that was something that I wanted to continue in terms of my career path. Um, so yeah, I think uh, initially it was kind of like a hail Mary, you know, like a, like, Oh, you know, why not? Let's just try, let's just try a leadership course. Again, uh, I'd done things in the past and I thought, you know, maybe this one will be different and something different will come out of it. And, and yeah, um, uh, fortunately enough, it, it did. And, and it's been, it's been really, really cool. Mm -hmm. Do you think it was, um, because the course was different or because you were at a different place in your life, um, to be receptive to it? Oh, I think it has to be a mixture of both, certainly. Um, de definitely, I, I was at a different different point in my, my career and my personal development and, and my kind of maybe my openness uh, to, to receiving uh, kind of new perspectives and new ideas. Uh, but at the same time, I think the, the, the course itself was very different to what I'd experienced before. It was, um, yeah, it was much more fundamental and, and much, much, much more deep reaching as opposed to you know, the classic, you know, here's, here's 10, here's 10 utilities go off and, and apply them and, and, and more kind of looking deeply into or what, what it, you know, what's the, the rhyme and reason behind those utilities? What's the, what's at the kind of fundamental basis of, of leadership and what does it mean and why, why do we want it? Um, and I think that same kind of thinking made me, uh, uh kind of more open to applying those same kind of questions to, to our minds you know why why should why should we understand them why why should we care um you know what what do we hope to benefit from from asking ourselves some of these deep questions uh, so yeah in both regards it's been maybe the, a similar approach but on, on two kind of fundamentally different levels yeah wow very deep thank you very much for sharing this cool. thanks for the question tim <laughs> Hey, Richard. Hey, Tim. What is the one thing you learned in 2018? The most important thing that I learned in 2018, uh, I learned from the FBI. Uh, and this is relevant to software developers. And it's how to uh, network at conferences. Um, and most people hate networking uh, and find it really, really difficult. Uh, but it's one of those things that's really, really important uh, for your career. Um, and I happened to get a book recommendation written by um, this FBI agent, and his job was to recruit informers from criminal gangs. So he would have to figure out how to 
meet somebody in a cafe or a restaurant um, and connect with them in 30 seconds. Um, and that was his job. And he wrote a little book about it. Um, and I can give you, I can give you the link afterwards. I, I, I forget the, <laughs> I forget the exact name of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but the basic idea is, uh, when you meet somebody at a conference, when, when you're networking with them, uh, your head is so full of your own ideas. So they say something interesting and you think that you have to say something interesting back. Um, otherwise they'll, they'll find you boring. Um, and the reason you, but the, the reason you do that as well is because you want them to recognize you as a person. You want them to, um, respect your ego. Um, but if you really want to network, uh, you have to leave your ego at home, right? So your ego, <laughs> your worth as a person, uh, is for your family and your friends. When you network, uh, you have to, um, just breathe it out and focus on the other person. Um, if you, if they say something and you have a really brilliant technical example or a great story to tell, that's really entertaining and funny. Even if they laugh, don't tell the story, just shut up and keep listening. And if they say something, uh, you know, you can kind of repeat the last thing they said. Um, you know, people also call this active listening. Um, but it's, it comes from a place of, saying, I'm here at this conference to network. This is work. This is a business thing that I have to do. Uh, I'm not here to find people that are going to like me. I have my own friends at home for that. Uh, I'm not here to impress people. I'm here to get as much information from each person that I talk to as possible because this person might be relevant to my career or my company's goals or whatever. Um, so you have to let go of this need to impress people and talk about your own stuff um, and just put yourself in, in, in the frame of uh, listening to what the other person has to say. Um, and it's really hard, right? Cause you find yourself starting to interrupt. And I, I mean, I've I found myself in the situation in sales meetings where someone's starting to tell me something really critical to making the sale, about what some VP of, of marketing wants to do. And I stupidly can't stop myself interrupting and telling them some clever technical thing. And then the moment is gone, bang, and they, you can't get back to it, and you lose that information. And okay, you, maybe you told a great story that makes you look intelligent, but you know what? Actually, you're stupid because you didn't find out the one piece of information that would make the sale. Um, and you can apply that principle to networking. You can apply it to dealing with project managers. You can apply it to uh, listening to, to customers. Uh, it's really, really powerful technique. Um, I, but you just have to you, you just have to kind of set your mind up that that a conference is about work. It's not about finding friends. <laughs> That's true. Well, cool. uh, That's yeah. So that was the that was the most useful thing I learned in 2018 for a software yeah. developer. And it's very powerful. Thank you very yes. much. For that. Okay. Thank you, Joe. Hi, Stephen. Hello, Tim. It's nice talking to you again. What is the most important thing you learned this year? Actually, there are two things I learned in 2018. One is a a technical topic and the other is um, with humans, with other developers. So the first one, the technical topic is that I learned to program um, in Angular and 
um, entered a web development project. So I did this a couple of years ago, but uh, it was a long time ago. And uh, since then, I didn't uh, had really much experience in developing with JavaScript or TypeScript or other uh, web frameworks. And this changed a couple of months ago. So um, I'm having nice experiences and seeing that the uh, technology and the tools developed a great deal. And um, this was the the um, technical topic I learned. And um, regarding this, I think it is a good idea um, on, a, on an abstract uh, thinking level. It's a good idea to learn topics, technical topics uh, kind of in batch. So or in batches. So I not only um, develop Angular, but I learned about TypeScript. I learned about JavaScript. I learned about de um, deploying web applications and also learn about uh, CSS and uh, of course the, the frameworks involved. So the basic thing here um, that I learned is if you are interested in learning something, make a topic family and try to really get something done with that topic family. That helped me a great deal. Mm -hmm. And cool. the second thing I learned um, is much more complicated because it's not a technical one, but it's um, it concerns humans, other humans. And that is always a, um, a complicated thing. So I entered a new project team in yeah a couple of months ago, and I'm working with very uh, junior developers. So we are a team of four. And I am the technical lead in this team again. And the other three developers, they have really uh, not much experience. So on the others, uh, on the one side, uh, my task is to uh, have this project developed and to get this project going. And on the other hand, to teach those developers, those young developers, um, my experiences and um, kind of provide a framework in which they can develop. And this is really, really interesting because I um, heavily underestimated the complexity of what we are doing in this project. This is not because the project is very complicated on a business logic um, level. And it's also not complicated on a technical logic uh, or on a, on a technical level. But the sum of all those topics that, um, that are software development in 2018 is really, really a huge um, topic, family. And um, what I learned is that when working with young developers, try to really overestimate the complexity of modern software and engineering. So I, for example, I underestimated what it means to um, explain someone what a real development uh, and a real deployment is. So you have to think about what is a stage? Why do I have several stages? Um, what are the technologies? What do I do on stage A? And what don't? Uh, what do I have to think of uh, on stage B? And so on. So you get from one topic to the next and then to the next. And it is very, very, um, you, you can talk for months and uh, yeah, for weeks and months about each topic and only scratch the surface. So in summary, uh, in 2018, modern software engineering is a really, really complex job. So try to overestimate this complexity. Well, great. Thank you very much for sharing this. Yes, it was a pleasure.
Hey, Rob. I have one more question. What is the most important thing you learned this year? Hmm. Well, this year, I think, when leading open source projects, making sure that the contributors actually deliver the code that I want to see in the project in the way I want to see it, whilst not upsetting them, has proved quite tricky. And I think I've got gotten better at it over this year. It's been a journey, most definitely, to get my communication skills better as a project leader. Mm-hmm. So you mean um, um, not upsetting people by giving some review feedbacks and, and, and PR? Um, not problems? upsetting people, um, closing, pro- uh, closing pull requests that I do not want in the project whilst not turning that contribu- helping that contributor to stay in the project. Mm-hmm. It requires a lot more communication, a lot more empathy, a lot more care with my contributors than I would have ever believed possible. Mm-hmm. And how much of that has to happen um, in the forefront before people, I mean, in terms of, of communicating a strategy where you want this project to go, etc.? I think that's one of the things I've been learning in that I now write what I'm looking for up front mm-hmm. far more than I ever did. Mm-hmm. So I'm far more likely to document what how I'm looking for a problem to be solved before someone comes along and actually tries to solve it. Mm-hmm. So my uh, issue tickets are that much better documented as a result. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't stop a contributor writing what they think they want to see. And their vision for the project doesn't necessarily match the project lead's vision, i.e. my vision. So persuading people to go my way when they are volunteers is a key skill I've learned this year. I can't believe that. <laughs> well, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Dear listeners, this episode marks the end of season one of Developer's Journey, and it could not end without a proper thank you. Yes, thank you very, very much, all of you, for your support and your feedback throughout this year. It is really thanks to you and to your encouragements that I managed to get back on my horse and reboot this podcast in June. And that's thanks to you that I have been keeping at the pace um, bi-weekly ever since. And I'm so glad I did. Hearing all those fantastic journeys and stories was really energizing. Season 2 will start right on January 1st with ever more exciting guests. I'm sure you're gonna love it. So keep the good vibes coming and continue commenting and leaving reviews on on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and Google Play. They really, really help spread the good word. So... I have to say, talk to you in a bit. Merry Christmas to you all again. Tim out.